0: The Lord be with you. And also with you. Lift up your hearts. We lift them up to the Lord. Where the dawn of the east meets the twilight of the west, and the cool of the north touches the calm of the south, and the transcendent power of God touches earth in the humility of love. Here and now, from Marsh Chapel, where the head of the Charles reaches out to the heart of the country, we gather for ordered worship. The liturgy, music, and homily are offered this day in the praise of God for our gathered community here in Marsh Chapel, for our radio congregation across New England at WBUR 90.9 FM, and for our internet listenership around the globe at WBUR.org. We welcome your prayerful and material support, your written or emailed responses, your self-selection of forms of ministry in our midst, and as the spirit moves come Sunday, your presence with us in worship. Today we offer with joy the celebration of Commencement Sunday, at Boston University with the presence, voice, and leadership of Dr. Robert A. Brown, President of Boston University, Dr. Gene Morrison, Provost and Academic Officer of Boston University, and with Cornell William Brooks, about whom more later the President and CEO of the NAACP, our honored guest baccalaureate speaker this day. This is the day that the Lord has made. We shall rejoice and be glad in it, as we are able. May we stand in the praise of God.
1: Almighty and eternal God, whose providence guides us from beginning to end, with gratitude, we thank you for the beginning. You are the author of all life. We thank you for the life that was begun in the young men and women who today go forth. We thank you for those who gave them life, who nurtured them in life, and who brought them to this day. We thank you for the learning that has begun in them. May they be men and women who pursue and love the truth from beginning to end. We thank you for the virtue that has begun in them. May they live virtuously and thus achieve their perfect end. We thank you for the piety that has begun in them, a piety that humbly acknowledges that you are the beginning, and that you are the end. Almighty God, as these men and women come to the end of this significant time in their life, they begin something new. In every ending and in every beginning, may they know themselves to be in the hand of your divine providence, a providence that was in the beginning is now, and shall be until the end of the ages. Amen.
2: A lesson from the book of Ecclesiastes, chapter three, verses one through eight. For everything there is a season and a time for every matter under heaven, a time to be born and a time to die A time to plant and a time to pluck up what is planted. A time to kill and a time to heal. A time to break down and a time to build up. A time to weep and a time to laugh. A time to mourn and a time to dance. A time to throw away stones and a time to gather stones together. A time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing, a time to seek and a time to lose, a time to keep and a time to throw away, a time to tear and a time to sow, a time to keep silence and a time to speak, a time to love and a time to hate, a time for war and a time for peace. The word of the Lord.
1: Please join me in saying verses from Psalm 100 responsively. Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Worship Worship the Lord with gladness. Come Come into his presence with singing. Know that the Lord is God. It is he that made us, and we are his. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him. Bless his name, for the Lord is good, his steadfast love endures forever, and his faithfulness to all generations.
3: A lesson from Paul's epistle to the Romans, chapter 12, verses 1 to 2 and 9 to 13. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your minds so that you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Let love be genuine, hate what is evil, hold fast to what is good, love one another with mutual affection, Outdo one another in showing honor. Do not lag in zeal. Be ardent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in suffering. Persevere in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints. Extend hospitality to strangers. The word of the Lord. Thanks.
0: in our service of worship to offer a warm and happy word of greeting. For those who are listening from afar, you may imagine in the mind's eye a Full Chapel, our choir leading, our university leadership present and guiding, our graduates ready to celebrate with Thanksgiving in just a very few moments. We are so honored, so pleased to have Returning to his alma mater, Cornell William Brooks, who comes today with his family, and we welcome them as well. For us present in the nave, and particularly for those listening from afar, let me briefly introduce him to you. Cornell William Brooks is the president and the CEO of the National Association for the Advancement of Colored People, NAACP, the nation's oldest, largest, and most widely respected grassroots-based civil rights organization. His life and experience exemplify the NAACP's mission to secure political, educational, social, and economic equality for all. A graduate of Head Start and of Yale Law School, Mr. Brooks considers himself a grandson, heir, and beneficiary of the 1954 landmark decision Brown versus the Board of Education. He has worked as a civil rights attorney, social justice advocate, fourth-generation ordained minister, and coalition builder. He also ran as the Democratic nominee for U.S. Congress for the 10th District of Virginia in 1998, inspired by his grandfather's example advocating for public education, affordable health care, and fiscal responsibility. Prior to joining the NAACP, he led the New Jersey Institute for Social Justice as president and CEO. There he was instrumental in legislation that enabled formerly incarcerated persons to rebuild their lives, helped reduce juvenile detention rates in New Jersey to historic lows, and developed workforce training programs that placed more than 500 low-income residents in higher wage jobs. In addition to his JD from Yale, Mr. Brooks earned a BA with honors in political science from Jackson State University and a Master of Divinity from the Boston University School of Theology in 1987. Mr. Brooks, his wife, Janice Broom Brooks, and their sons, Cornell II and Hamilton, are members of Turner Memorial a- AME Church in Hyattsville, Maryland. On this sun-dappled morning, let us give a warm Marsh Chapel Boston University to Cornell
4: Good morning. It is such an honor, a humbling honor, to be home after so many years and to stand in the history-laden pulpit where I first preached my first sermon so many years ago. To President Dr. Robert A. Brown, president of my alma mater Boston University School of Theology, to Dr. Gene Morrison, the provost of Boston University, to Reverend Dr. Robert Allen Hill, the dean of this historic and powerful chapel, to the dean of the School of Theology, who in large measure is responsible for me being here and drawing sustenance from this very moment. To the trustees of Boston University and to the members of the NAACP, to this New England state area, uh, conference of the NAACP, the local leadership of the NAACP, uh, certainly well led by my friend Michael Curry, and to the most important class in the history of Boston University, that would be the class of now, the class of 2015. I'd like to ask that the class of now, the class of 2015, if by chance, you are extraordinarily proud of this moment. And if by chance you feel a deep sense of accomplishment, and if by chance you're moved by all that you've done, all that you've come through to bring you to this very place, I want you to extend a warm and hearty round of applause for yourselves. And if the class of 2015 possesses some modicum of humility and you conclude that you have not arrived at this moment by yourselves, I ask that you stand on your feet and extend a round of applause and appreciation to every mother, every father, every grandmother, every grandfather, every aunt, every uncle, every person in your family and among your friends who has brought you to this place at this time. Can you do that? to stand on your feet. I want to certainly acknowledge the presence of the honorary degree recipients here, and I want to acknowledge the presence of my wife of 20 plus years and my eldest-born son, Cornell, who uh, came here to help me bring the word of the Lord. At this moment we find ourselves at the crossroads of history and personal narrative. At this moment, we find ourselves at a place on the calendar in the month of May. We find ourselves at a time that may be marked on the Gregorian calendar. It may be a time marked on your watch or your date book, your date planner. But it is a moment in your life that will be long remembered. It is a joy-filled moment, a happiness-laden moment, a pride-laden moment. It is a moment that stands out in time. It is a moment that calls to mind these words by the First Lady Eleanor Roosevelt. These are no ordinary time. This is no ordinary time. This is an extraordinary moment for this class of 2015. You began as freshmen, with an unemployment rate at 8%. And now as seniors, the unemployment rate, thankfully, is at 5%. And that means for some of you, you will leave here and go into jobs and not return to the bedroom you left four years ago. (laughs) It's been an extraordinary time of growth and personal development. Some of us have fallen in and out and in and out of love. Some of us have fallen into infatuation and like, not unlike, the likes of social media or Facebook. Superficial like. It's been a time of personal transformation. It's been a time of challenge for the country and for Boston University. When you began as freshman, the memory of Trayvon Martin loomed large. And in your senior year, the memory of Eric Garner looms large. Social justice has arched over your years at this extraordinary mecca of social justice called Boston University, so much so that you had to march past a memorial to the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King to enter into this sacred space. It's been an extraordinary time, and yet at this moment, I suspect you may be looking for some spiritual sustenance that speaks to this moment, that speaks to this time, that speaks to where you are and where you will go, that speaks to your past, your present, and certainly your promising future. And if you feel that way this morning, if you feel a little anxiety, if you feel a a little trepidation, if you feel like I'm dressed up, I'm here, but I'm not quite certain where I'm going to go next, can I point you to, a bit of scripture that will speak to this moment. It's found in the book of Esther. In the fourth fourth chapter, verses 13 through 16. That is to say, the book of Esther, the fourth chapter, verses 13 through 16. And there we find these powerful words. Mordecai told them to reply to Esther, Do not think that in the king's palace you will escape any more than all the other Jews. For if you keep silence at such a time as this, relief and deliverance will rise for the Jews from another quarter. But you and your father's family will perish. Who knows? Who knows? Perhaps you've come to royal dignity for such a time as this. Then Esther said to, in reply to Mordecai, Go gather all the Jews to be found in Susa and hold a fast on my behalf and neither eat nor drink for three days. Night or day, I and my maids will also fast as you do. After that, I will go to the king, and though it is against the law, if I perish, I perish. May the Lord add a blessing to the reading and hearing of his most holy word. My young brothers and sisters, as graduates of Boston University School of Theology, you have to be mindful that you stand at an extraordinary moment in history. You stand in the midst of an extraordinary moral and ethical lineage. You stand in the lineage of Howard Thurman. You stand in the lineage of the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King, Jr. You stand in the lineage of the Boston Personals. You stand in the lineage of righteousness and justice and hope and peace. You stand in that lineage. And yet the scripture that speaks to our hearts this moment, may be plucked from the gilded pages of Jewish scripture and ethical lineage and moral heritage, it speaks to us. It tells us a story of a Jewish girl by the name of Esther, who, like some of you, grew up in a, in a kind of multi-culti place. Her name was Esther and Hadassah, a Persian name and a Jewish name. She found herself like the Jews of that time, living in a place that was home and not yet home. Some of us for the last four years understand what it's like to be in a home that's not quite home. No mama or daddy to cook for you, no mama or daddy to pick up after you, perhaps mama and daddy to pay your credit card bill, but a home not quite home. Esther is confronted with a profound moral dilemma. Her cousin and adopted father, Mordecai, managed to incur the anger of a man by the name of Haman. Haman translated and transliterated individual hatred or hatred for an individual into a genocidal hatred of a people. We understand that in the wake Of the Armenian Genocide, or the Final Solution, or the Holocaust, or any of the tragedies that have taken place around the world where people hate one another and engage in genocidal assault. Esther is faced with a question by way of her cousin and her father. Mordecai asked Esther to stand for her people, to protect her people, to stand against a king. Esther, a young woman, a vulnerable woman, situated between royal position and powerlessness, a vulnerable woman with a relative place of prominence in a patriarchal society. A young woman, part of a religious minority, in a home away from home, charged with the responsibility of standing up for her people. Mordecai poses the question, who knows? whether you have been appointed to a royal position for such a time as this. You as Boston University graduates, standing in this rich moral and ethical tradition, have to ask yourselves the question, who knows? Have I been appointed to this royal place, to this special place, to this honored place, for such a time as this? The question comes down to us, reverberating and echoing down the corridors of time into our hearts. Who knows whether you have come to this place for such a time as this. You've been given the opportunity to study. You've been given the opportunity to ponder the great questions of social justice of your time. You've been given the opportunity to learn, to grow, to develop, to experiment, to expand. So the question that arrives on the doorstep of this graduation at this very moment is who knows if you come to this special place for such a time as this. As the president of the NAACP, I have to tell you, this is an extraordinary moment. All across this country, people your age have excited and engaged the world in a conversation about police brutality. About racial justice, about poverty and income inequality, and any number of social justice questions. And not only have you raised the questions philosophically, not only have you raised the questions morally, not only have you raised the questions ethically, but you've captured those images and raised those questions with cell phones and mobile devices. You caused the president to go to Geneva and to lift up the name of a slain teenager. You did that. You forced this country to engage in a conversation about how we can be the Americans we were called to be. You did that. And so here you are at this very moment, wrestling with the question, who knows, have we come to this place for such a time as this? I ask you to try to answer the question the way that Esther answered it. She called out to her people to fast and pray. Maybe now's the time to call out to your friends who are Muslims, Jews, Buddhists, Christians, God forbid, maybe even Methodists like me. But in this moment, can we fast and pray? Can we wrestle with the deep questions of the age? Can we engage the scriptures? Can we fellowship? Can we sing and praise God together and hold on to one another knowing that we can bring about justice in our time with our God? For such... Now, I understand that Boston University is wrestling with some profound questions relating to diversity within the family. And I know that this is a difficult moment, and sometimes a controversial moment, and sometimes an unsettling moment. But can I respond to the challenge with a simple story? Many years ago, there was a high school, or rather, a college senior couldn't make up his mind whether or not he wanted to go to law school or become a minister, and came to the uneasy conclusion that you had to choose one over the other. Having faced the Faustian choice, I chose to go to law school with the hope that I could pay off my student loans. And then I got a letter from the dean of admissions at Boston University School of Theology from a man by the name of the Reverend Earl Bean. He wrote a letter from Boston, sent it down to Jackson, Mississippi, to an obscure college that many folks in in Boston may not be aware of. It's called Jackson State University, an extraordinary place. And in that letter, he invited me to apply for a scholarship. And not only that, he called the chaplain of the university and said, there's a young man who applied here, or he sort of applied. He sent in his grades. He sent in his transcript. We have letters of recommendation, but we have no application. The chaplain calls up this young man and says, now what happened? The young man said, I chickened out. I couldn't decide, so I chose the practical thing. Reverend Bean called the young man up and said, look, if you feel a calling on your life, come to Boston University School of Theology. There's a scholarship named after the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King, and we think you might be eligible for it. I took that scholarship, I came to Boston University and studied with some of the greatest and most extraordinary professors I had ever come across. And as a consequence of my years here, I've spent every year, every moment, every day, every hour dedicated to social justice as a result of what I learned here. Here's the moral of the lesson. The moral of the lesson is when you open the door of Opportunity Wide, people come in. People with talent and ability and aspiration and hopes from all over, from Korea, from Cameroon, from from Latin America, from Asia, from all across these United States, open the door wide. Why? Because the surest path to meritocracy is diversity. And we at Boston University know better than anyone. What happens when you open the door? There's a young fellow preacher from down south, and a dean by the name of Walter Mueller, who led the School of Theology. And years before people talked about affirmative action, as a consequence of that dean, over half of the African Americans with PhDs in religion came from one school, at Boston University. That's who we are! So in this moment, if you're uncertain about the future, anxious about the present, just be assured that God spoke to Esther, and God spoke to a would-be preacher by the name of Cornell William Brooks. He speaks through circumstances. He speaks through situations. He speaks through people. He spoke through a dean of admissions at a school I never heard of and didn't, couldn't find on a map. And he is speaking to you now. There's a hymn, song, all across the length and breadth of the NAACP. It's a hymn of social justice, and it speaks to you now. Perhaps it will remind you of the calling on your life. The words are these, lift every voice and sing till earth and heaven ring." Ring with the harmonies of liberty. Let our rejoicing rise high as the listening skies. Let it resound loud as a rolling sea. Sing a song full of the faith that the dark past has taught us. Sing a song full of the hope that the present has brought us. Facing the rising sun of our new day begun, let us march on, let us march on, let us march on till victory is won. And there on that road to justice, you'll find Boston University graduates of the class of 2015, and our alum. God bless you.
5: Come together in a moment of prayer, in whatever tradition and manner you feel most spiritually at home. As a blessing to our graduates, I would like to lift up a poem prayer by Celtic poet John O'Donohue titled, For a New Beginning, followed by a prayer for the Boston University community. For a new beginning. in out of the way places of the heart, where your thoughts never think to wander. This beginning has been quietly forming, waiting until you were ready to emerge. For a long time, it has watched your desire, feeling the emptiness grow inside of you, noticing how you willed yourself on, still unable to leave what you had outgrown. It watched you play with the seduction of safety, and the gray promises that sameness whispered. Heard the waves of turmoil rise and relent. Wondered, would you always live like this? Then the delight when your courage kindled, and you stepped out onto new ground Your eyes young again with energy and dream, a path of plenitude opened before you. Though your destination may not be clear, you can trust the promise of this opening. Unfurl yourself into the grace of a beginning that is at one with your life's desire. Awaken your spirit to adventure. Hold nothing back. Learn to find ease in risk. Soon, you will be at home in a new rhythm. For your soul senses a whole world that awaits you. Let us pray. God of new beginnings and of great compassion, we come together this day with so many prayers on our hearts as we watch another spectacular, kind, passionate, and transformative class of Boston University students leave this hollowed highway of Commonwealth Avenue for the wonders and wildness of the world. We pray that each student might find peace and ease in this transition. Through rocky and wonderful times ahead, May they find comfort in loving families, funny friends, and lasting relationships with BU faculty and staff. We pray with hope and excitement at the unknown future, full of potential and opportunities for these graduates. And we ask that you, God, might make your loving presence known as the discernment of career, lifestyle, and location weighs so heavily on each student's heart. We pray for the family and friends of our graduates. Let them swell with pride, cry with the awkwardness of change, and laugh with lighthearted anticipation of celebration. May the web that surrounds our graduates Remind them that they are never, never alone, and that they have companions on this journey wherever it leads. We pray for the leadership, faculty, staff, and administration of Boston University. As we might be grieving and mourning the flight of our favorite seniors, may there also be a thread of connection, a heartbeat of the university that keeps us all pulsing, breathing, and living together into the future. May we always find each other in the spirit of Boston University. May you, loving God, remind us that Boston University is an eternal part of our being from this moment forward. Remind us that we are at home here and that we are at home with each other, now and always. In the name of the Holy we pray, Amen.
6: Give meaning
1: and purpose to your work. Bring joy and new life to the people you meet. Provide wisdom to discern what is right. Encourage to follow God's will for your life. May the God of salvation walk with you all the days of your life. Grant you peace and sustain you with hope. May God grant all of you and all of your mentors, friends, and parents who have helped you get to this commencement day blessings now and forever. Amen.